This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner-nominated Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hacha! Hey, this is Chris Straub. I'm the creator of Chainsaw Suit, and you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Cast with Joe and Matt. Check it out. I love it. Welcome to episode 133 of THN, where we're talking comics nerd news for the week of September 25th. Let's be funny! And I instantly feel better. I've had a rough week, folks. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle Matt Baumstein. And when I'm not putting my manhood at stake, facing my wife in fantasy football this weekend, I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for WorthPoint.com. We're drinking whipped cream vodka and Coke, so that's not the only reason your manhood is on the line. We are men! I am Joe Patrick, and you can find me at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not trying to figure out how to move a player in my roster and what it means when your defense is on a bye, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and the artist slash co-creator of Good Plus, which you can find at goodpluscomic.com. I'm going to have to change it soon to THNComic.com right. just to make Matt feel That's better. That's right. It's coming. And I love it when you do air quotes for my benefit because no one can see this. It's an audio podcast. <laughs> In this week's episode, audio, <laughs> you'll hear our reviews of Sex Criminals and Rat Queens, number one. After that, we'll review... Man, I think we just called this episode Sex Criminals and Rat Queens. <laughs> After that, we'll review 10 of this week's comics faster than Bud Selig can take a job as a steroid lobbyist in Washington during the ludicrous speed round. Joe Patrick, who is Bud Selig? Bud Selig is the commissioner of baseball. Look at that. Then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where the dulcet tones of Senator Ted Cruz will lull us to sleep and we'll dream about next week's comics. And finally, it's a month with five weeks. So it's time for another top Five countdown, where we're getting in the Halloween spirit, counting down our favorite supernatural comic book characters. Ooh. But before we trade in our freedom fries for satis fries, what are satis fries? Satis fries are the new Burger King lower calorie French fries. Ew. It's the worst name ever. I think they should call them saddest fries. hey Let's take a moment to get that stack of Joker's Daughter 3D covers into the microwave and then on to eBay, and then we'll talk about this week's big news. 17 bucks somebody paid for, for that. For a melted cover, you are a dip sir, <laughs> or madam. <laughs> Equal opportunity. In Hollywood news, DC Comics finds itself with not one, but three different television series in development, all on different networks. Hey, I wonder if they know that's happening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're like, uh, wait a minute, we did what? <laughs> <laughs> Along with the previously reported Flash series being developed for the CW, Fox, yes, Fox <laughs> has landed a deal with Warner Brothers to bring a young Jim Gordon to the small screen. According to a report from Deadline, Gotham will feature tales of a pre-Batman Gotham City and, quote, the origin stories of Commissioner James Gordon and the villains who made Gotham City famous. Fox has made a series commitment to Gotham. I don't know what that means, a series commitment. Do you? Yeah, that means they ordered one season. Now, that doesn't mean that Fox is going to, say, air it in order. Or air all of them. Or air all of them. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, they might just say, screw it. So, yes, Fox made a series commitment to Gotham after a lengthy... Bidding war overseeing the series will be the mentalist creator, Bruno Heller. Hey, I like the mentalist. I like the mentalist too. Oh, also in development, Constantine. Coming soon to NBC. Constantine, in theory, will feature the misadventures of D bag magician John Constantine. The series will be helmed by frequent DC go to screenwriter David Goyer 
and Daniel Cerrone, executive producer of The Mentalist. What the hell? Again with The Mentalist. Is The Mentalist going away? I don't know what's happening. Is it already gone? I don't even know. It might already be gone. I haven't paid attention for a while. I'm not going to lie. Let's hope this one is a little more Hellblazer and a lot less Keanu. Matt Bomb, what do you think of either or both of these? In reverse order. Let's talk about both of them. Let's talk about both of them. In reverse order. If you already think that the comic book version of John Constantine is watered down in the new DCU, wait until you see the TV version. There's just no way. Remember when I got upset because I said there's no way they can do the things that we love about the Hellblazer series in yeah. the regular DCU? Yeah, yeah. They can't even fucking come close to doing that on regular network TV. NBC, forget it. No way. And I'm not saying it's impossible to do a good show on NBC. We it, Certainly it not. It is. It's the nature of the character. Red the Reddington nature of what has he deals proven with. that. I loved Blacklist. We'll go into that later. Will we? Well, we'll go into that on the Answer of the Week okay. podcast. <laughs> the Gotham thing. There's just no way that we get to see the big name villains we want to see. It, there's, it's impossible. But why do you think that? Because why do you think the that? Joker's already been done. They're not going to let him touch him again because of the movies and stuff like that. And what if they want to use But I him don't need to see the Joker. In an upcoming Batman and Superman movie. But it's not just the Joker. I'm saying anyone that Warner Brothers thinks that they're going to make money on. The keyword being Warner Brothers, not Fox. There's no way they're going to let them feature that character in this television show on Fox. I think you're mistaken about that. Like I'm not I'm not saying that they're planning on using these big names, but I'm saying like they've licensed this from Warner Brothers. They've got the rights to do it from Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers profits on whatever Fox does just cuz it doesn't air on the CW. Let's make a nerd bet right now. Nerd bet. I am going to bet you the first villain that we see on the new Gotham show is a brand New villain. I'm not that taking we've that bet. Never heard of. I'm not taking that bet. That's a sucker's There's bet. There's no way it's Scarecrow, Killer Croc, Mr. Freeze. I mean, I'm naming B list. I'm not even talking about the big ones, you know? I bet we don't even get that close. I bet we don't even get Killer Moth, you know? <sighs> I bet we get Killer Moth. I bet we don't. I bet we don't get the Ventriloquist. None of them. Hmm. Because here's the question. Will it be set in the DC Cinematic Universe? I, I, I Is don't know. Arrow set in the DC Cinematic Universe? God, I hope not. Will the Flash series, which is a spinoff of Arrow, be set in the oh, DC Cinematic for crying Universe? crying out loud. For the love of God. If, if DC is trying to build a cohesive universe, even though it doesn't look like they are at the moment. They are not. I think they've established that they are not. But I think that they are. I think that they're trying to capture what Marvel has and I don't think that just because they're letting uh, their property air on another network has anything to do with what can be featured in that show. Take the nerd bet. Take the nerd bet. No, because I don't think it'll be uh, an existing villain. WB wants to make that money on their movies. They got a Batman Superman movie coming up. What do you think they're going to do after that? But Batman has so many villains. There's, there's never going to be a Batman feature film where Killer Croc is the main villain. Who knows? I mean, they there are plenty of villains that they could use. I agree. I don't think they will. They're Why not. would they talk about Batman supervillains if they're not going to do Batman supervillains? Because it's they're saying it in this little news the story. The supervillains of Gotham City. What else does that mean? They didn't say the Batman villains you know and love. They didn't say... You're right. They did not specifically say the Batman villains you know and love. The Batman villains you know and love. They well, said then. the quote... Here's my air quotes for those of you who can't see it. Supervillains... That made Gotham City. The villains who made Gotham City famous. Yep. That does not mean 
like it also, random nobodies. It also doesn't mean the Batman villains you Tweedledee know. Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Oh God, <laughs> Magpie. <laughs> In comic news, Marvel's at it again this week. A series of teasers for the all-new Marvel now hit the net, giving vague one-word descriptions and creative teams. It's my favorite game. I know. <laughs> for a slew of new titles or storylines, we don't know. I don't know if they're necessarily new number ones. I think some of them are storylines. First up was a pair of fire-themed teasers, including the word Trial by B.M. Bendis and Stuart Immerman and Judgment by B.M. Bendis and Sarah Pacelli. Next came Mind Bubble, <laughs> which is not a word, by Rick Remender and Pascal Alexi and Nick Klein. Then Marvel teased Rad <laughs> by Dan Slott and Mike Alred, which I'm hoping is the comic book version of the dirt bike movie from the 80s. <laughs> that would be kick ass. Finally, Marvel teased Corporate. It was BMX. It was BMX, yeah, not yeah. dirt bikes. Well, they rode dirt bikes. They were BMX bikes. Back then, that's what we called dirt bikes. BMX bikes were dirt bikes. No, a dirt bike has a motor. Later on, they got that name. Oh, okay? my God. Yeah, dude. How uh, old do you think you are? You're not that old. I'm real old. I'm a dirt, I was a dirt bike punk. Finally, <laughs> Marvel teased Corporate by Peter David and Carmine D'Angelo Each teaser. Wait, oh, this just in. There were two more today. Oh. There was Global... By Jonathan Hickman, Nick Spencer, and Stefano Caselli. And there was... That's a great team. The End by Dan Slott and Giuseppe Camancoli. I like that team, too. Yeah. Huh! Each teaser is promising answers at various panels being held at New York Comic Con in just two weeks. We won't have to wait too long. Of course. That is not going to stop us from speculating. Joe Patrick. So let's talk about these teasers. Okay. Let's... While we're still thinking of them, let's do the two that were announced today. Based on... Let's just do the two that were okay, down today that, that are not written down. Global by Nick Spencer, Jonathan Hickman, and Stefano Caselli. It's going to be an Avengers thing. Has to be. You got. I think it's going to be a Shield book. Ooh. An Agents of Shield book. I like that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. If you go by what the adjective says, it, it will be talked about more at an Avengers panel. Cool. But I think that that's a Shield thing. Cool. That's my guess. I hope so. That'd be fun. The other one was The End by Dan Slott and Giuseppe Camincoli to be announced at the Spider-Man panel. Uh-huh. I think that they might be getting ready to wrap up the Superior Spider-Man. Probably. And that, I think, is a safe bet. Yeah, I think that's probably, I don't think, even odds. I think yeah. you probably, you gotta bet a hundred bucks to make a dollar on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Next up was Corporate. By Peter David and Carmine D. Gian Domenico. If you go off of the rumors, Rich Johnson has been saying for months that X Factor is getting rebooted. Oh. So I think X Factor might be coming back just in a retooled. Yeah. I mean, and Peter David is the basically father of X Factor at this point. I'd be down for that. I'm fine with it. I love his X Factor the way it is. If he's going to change it, I'll love it just as much. I, I bet. think that's another bet that won't get you much profit. Probably but... not. Rad. Rad by Dan Slott <laughs> yeah. and Mike Allred. The lettering was silver. Okay. It's going to be announced at the Inhumans slash Infinity or whatever panel. Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer. Mike Alred loves the Silver Surfer. A, a, a totally like mod, like Silver Surfer book by Dan Slott and Mike Alred. I can't say that I've ever heard Dan Slott say anything about Silver Surfer. I know I've read Mike Alred saying that Silver Surfer is his favorite Marvel character. I know oh, I've man. read that. 
like a total like balls out Kirby style in. Silver Surfer book. Absolutely in. I could not. Oh, I could not hope for a better yeah. Silver Surfer oh, revival than that. Man, although I would take uh, Joe Casey and What's-His-Head Who Do Godland. I would take their version of it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Too book. trippy. Too oh, trippy. Oh, man, I'll take it. Uh, Mind Bubble by Rick Remender, Pascal, Alix, and Nick Klein. If we go back several episodes, Rick Remender talked about... Maybe we didn't actually talk about it on the show, but he talked about what's coming up in Captain America. Okay. And Dr. Mind Bubble is a character he's creating in the third story arc of Captain America after the one we were doing now. All right. So that one's a gimme. Okay. Now, the next ones are the first ones. Judgment. Judgment and Trial. It's got to be Avengers something or other. Well, one is by the cre- Bendis and Eminem, the creative team of All New X-Men. Okay. And Bendis and Pacelli, the creative team of Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. If I recall, I think I read a rumor... Some months ago, saying that uh, the Galactic Council or whatever, like the 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 United Nations of of worlds that we see in Guardians of the Galaxy, the Living Tribunal, <laughs> uh, are going to put Jean Grey on trial for war crimes. Young Jean Grey, huh? Because she's back in the world now, and yeah. they are like that. Sh-. She eats planets. Yeah, that's cool. Get, go get her. I will read that. That sounds like fun. And I think that what we're seeing here is a teaser for a crossover between all new X-Men and Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it's a safe bet. All of those sound super fun. I hope I'm right about the S.H.I.E.L.D. book. Marvel did more than just tease fans this week. The publisher also announced a new ongoing She-Hulk series launching in February 2014 from writer Charles Soule and artist Javier Polito. Awesome. Look for She-Hulk to return to her legal roots. Turns out Soul is a practicing attorney in Brooklyn, New York. Who knew? And he plans for Jen's day job to play an important role in the series. Joey, I don't even need to ask you if you're excited to see She-Hulk back in the spotlight. I love it. I love it, too. I loved John Byrne's She-Hulk. Yeah. I love Dan Slott's She-Hulk. Yes. Peter David took over She-Hulk after Dan Slott, and he said, yeah. rightfully so, Yeah. That he was not going to try to follow what Slot did by just yeah. delivering a watered down version of of Slot's adventures, and I didn't, I did not dislike it. But it was not as good. I think he got too far away from what makes She Hulk super fun, and that's right. the interacting with the legal side. Yes, this sounds fun as hell. I want to see her in court, a facing Matt Murdock. Of course. Oh my god, that'd be awesome. <laughs> it really makes me want to reread Dan Slott's She-Hulk. Yeah, I, this is great. Any, I, I love it. And I, Charles Soule's an exciting writer. Cool to see him working at Marvel. Yeah. I can't wait to see what happens when the shackles of editorial are taken off of him. And he, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I think I think that uh, wave two of Marvel now is really shaping up. If half of these teasers are what we think they are, plus the She-Hulk book, it's a lot of fun stuff to get excited about. Right on. Finally, legendary comic book creator Jim Steranko has landed a gig writing for The Hollywood Reporter, where he'll be recapping new episodes of the recently premiered Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. series on ABC. Weird. Yeah. Steranko, of course, is best known as the creator of Marvel's Nick Fury Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. series in the 60s, and is responsible for some of the most iconic stories featuring that character and the top-secret organization he runs. Steranko slammed the pilot episode of the series for a, quote, lack of unified focus, and a distinct deficit in the Nick Fury department. Quote, The S.H.I.E.L.D. opener would have benefited immensely from a 15-second cameo or even a damn phone call from Jackson's Fury. Yeah. After comparing Clark Gregg's agent Coulson to Rudy Giuliani, Steranko addressed producer Jeff Loeb's description of the series. 
Quote, S.H.I.E.L.D. meets the X-Files. Great premise, but barely in evidence. S.H.I.E.L.D. needs to be much tougher, much stranger, much edgier to reach its potential. Matt, these are tough words from the guy that gave us S.H.I.E.L.D. as we know it. Here's the thing. We're going to go into this in our next Answer of the We're Week cheating. podcast. And this <laughs> leads perfectly into our question of the week. So, for now, dot, dot, dot. Big news for this week. If you want to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, head over to the THN web forums. Click on the this week's episode and let's rap about it, guys. There you will find footage of mean old man Stranko actually slapping Bob Kane in the face. That's a true story. Uh, allegedly true. <laughs> then he kicked him in the nuts. Probably untrue. Then he cut him in half with a chainsaw. Maybe, maybe true. <laughs> Every Friday, my favorite green skin lady, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week on our new THN web forum. You may have heard me just mention it, which you can find by clicking the link at twoheadednerd.com. Then, we play your answers and discuss them on the THN Answer of the Week podcast. It is now a call-in show only. Call us, call us, call us. Joe Patrick, what are we asking these nerds this week? This week's question, we talked about it already. What do you think of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. so far? Let's rap about it. By the time we record next week's answer, we'll have two episodes under our belt. We'll have a nice you know, example of what it's going to be and, and hopefully an idea of where it's going. We want to know what you guys thought. And we're giving you all an extra day to watch that episode and call us and tell us what you think. That's right. We love it when you call us with your answer to the question of the week on Skype. If it works, <laughs> our Skype handle is 2 nerd, all one word. Or at our Ziggurat direct line, 402-819-4894. It works every time. You can also respond at the 2 nerd forums. Like we've said many times already. Under the question of the week, that is where your written responses will get answered by us. That's right. It's and a community. Skype's not working. a lot of back and forth. If Skype's not working, record an MP3, email it to us at twoheadednerd at gmail.com like Chris the British guy did. That's right. That guy's freaking brilliant. If you want to get on the answer of the week, you make it happen. It was a damn revolution. It's review time on THN, where Joe and I take very sexy pictures of ourselves, scantily clad, holding two of this week's new comics, and then we tweet them to well-known politicians to expose them as nerds in front of the entire news media. Joe Patrick, tell me what your naked self is reading this week. You know, I've been wanting to talk to you for months now about how you pronounce the word scantily. Scantily. Scantly. It's not scantly. Scantly. S C A N T I L Y. Scantily. Scantly clay. <laughs> this actually happened though. There was a hooker in New York that tweeted a picture saying, Thank you, Corey, to Corey Booker. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Way to go, dude. She was hot as hell though. So, you know what? Mm. Way to go, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this week, I am reviewing Rat Queens number one from Image Comics, written by Curtis J. Weeby. With art by Rock Upchurch. That's a tough name. Hell yeah, it is. He sounds like a superhero. Here's your solicit. Who are the Rat Queens? A pack of booze-guzzling, death-dealing battle maidens for hire. 
and they're in the business of killing all God's creatures for profit. It's also a darkly comedic fantasy series starring Hannah, the rockabilly elven mage, Violet, the hipster dwarven fighter, Dee, the atheist human cleric, and Betty, the hippie hobbit thief. This modern spin on an old school genre is a violent monster-killing epic that is like Buffy meets Tank Girl in a Lord of the Rings world on crack. That's a good solicit. Something, I'll tell you that much. Curtis Weeby is all over the place these days. The writer has bounced from genre to genre over the last couple years with titles like Peter Panzerfaust, Grim Leaper, and Debris, and now he's tackling the fantasy genre with Rat Queens. I've been meaning to speak to you for a while about how you pronounce the word Debris. It's actually Debris. <laughs> Weeby delivers a hilarious story about a foul-mouthed, all-girl, D&D-style team of adventurers after their antics get them in hot water with the local authorities, the Rat Queens get sent on a quest to get rid of some goblins. But before they can begin hunting gobbos, the group discovers a shadowy assassin is hunting them. I love how Weeby gives a distinct voice to each character and how they buck the traditional fantasy role-playing stereotypes. The cleric is an atheist. Betty the Hobbit is super horny. Like, wicked horny. <laughs> The only one that's really sincere is Violet the Fighter. So she shouts stuff like, Onward to the slaughter, compatriots, or whatever. And yeah. the rest of the team gives a shit for it. She's pretty typical, like, D&D yeah. fantasy character. Uh, all of the characters are a lot of fun. The art by Rock Upchurch is stunning. I love his characters and creature designs. Both the art and the coloring have a real Fiona Staples vibe. And I really dig it. If I had one nitpick, it would be that I couldn't really tell that Violet was supposed to be a dwarf until I reread the solicit to write this review. Looking at the book again, I can see that she's drawn as shorter than most of the other characters. Yeah, I don't think I came through very well either. Uh, yeah, I still think it's just not all that clear. That is a very small complaint in an otherwise gorgeously drawn book. I used to say how the fantasy genre wasn't really my favorite, but with this and other titles like the recent Pathfinder series... I guess I've changed my tune. You changed your tune long ago. I know. <laughs> Maybe it's not that I don't like fantasy. It's just that I like a certain take on it, right? Rat Queens is self-aware, and it doesn't take itself so too seriously, and that's what I loved most about it. This is an absolute buy it for me. I loved it. You know what? I did not have the same reaction. Really? I thought... It felt a little heavy-handed to me in places. What? Yeah. You're just in a bad mood. And No, it's not that I, I read it twice. Because at first I was like, well, maybe I'm too tired for this or whatever. And I read it again the next day. I just did not love it. And I thought that Upchurch's art in some panels looked really good. I don't think it was consistent through the whole book. I thought there were some panels that looked a little wonky to me. And some of the coloring got kind of annoying in a couple spots. Where I, I just, I, like, it almost felt like someone was drawing certain panels of this on an iPad with their finger to me. It looked a little too digital in some panels. And I, I just, I'm not saying it was terrible, but I didn't think it was consistent. I also, I thought the humor, I get what they're doing and I see where they're going, but it was a little just heavy handed for me. And some of the jokes fell well, a little how, flat. Like, how do you mean? I, like... When they sit down to have dinner and uh, Hobbit Girl is like, all right, here's a bunch of candy and drugs. Like, what is she, retarded? You know, I mean, 
And they're like, oh, this is happening again. It just kind of fell flat, you know? There were aspects of it that just... The sex thing, I didn't really get that. Like, she's super horny, okay. But they, it just kind of got thrown out so fast that it, it just didn't hit for me. I don't know. I, I can only give this a skim it. I did not hate it, but I don't think I'm going to seek out more of it. I do think this is one of the weakest things I've read from Weeby. Huh. I like him as a writer. This just didn't really do it for me. I don't think it was bad, but I definitely don't think it was great. I can only give it a skim it. You know what? I am stunned. Yeah. I'm actually really surprised. I thought that you would have loved this. I just did not. It was like it was almost, you know what it was? It felt like it was trying too hard. I did not get that. I did not feel that way at all. Yeah. I thought it was effortlessly funny. See, really? See, I thought it was clever, but just trying a little too hard. Hmm. Which is why I'm giving it a skim it. I'm not saying leave it. No, that's that's fine. Just skim it for me. I'm just I'm surprised. Like I was much 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 more pleasantly surprised by it than I I thought I was going to be. Huh. And so I'm very surprised that you didn't like it as much as I. I will did. say that I did not pick up at all on the dwarf girl. Did not get that. Which doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter that she's a dwarf. No, it doesn't matter right now. I just did not see it. Yeah, I, mean, I it, some of the way that some of the ways that she's posed, you know, she's already kind of hunched over. Or, like, running with her sword out. I suppose. You, you don't really have many chances to see her in context with other characters. I think I got to mark that up to art as well, though. Like, what I did not necessarily love about the art here and there. Like, I, there's no other comics where I look at a character who's supposed to be a dwarf, and I wonder, is that guy a normal human being or a dwarf, you know? <laughs> well, I don't ever now, wonder again, if that guy's supposed to be a we, dwarf. Then again, we don't see a lot of female dwarf characters, so maybe that's part of it. Sure. You know? Yeah, I mean... You're entitled to your incorrect opinion. Given a skim it. <laughs> what did you read this week? I read Sex Criminals, number one, from Image Comics. This was written by Matt Fraction with art by Chip Zadarsky. I'm not going to read this solicit because it's long and I read it last week. This is Matt Fraction's idea of a sex comedy in the vein of the 40-year-old virgin with superpowers and bank robbery. <laughs> okay, there you go. One of the hardest jobs any male writer can take on is writing a believable female, which was part of my problem with Rat Queen. But we're done with that. I don't know how he does it. I don't know if Fraction's wife, Kelly Sue DeConnick, is part of it. And truthfully, I don't know if he's even writing a convincing young woman experiencing her sexual birth into womanhood. But his narrative here sure sold me on the fact that he was. First issue mainly follows the main female character, Susie, and her sexual awakening, where she realizes when she has an orgasm, she can stop time. <laughs> Of course, her first experiences were with masturbation, and even though I'm not a girl, Fraction does an amazing job showing readers a very believable girl's point of view on the subject. Here, time literally stops when she orgasms. Me, I just made a mess in a sleeping bag at a friend's house while watching his dad's bad 70s porn on VHS. But... I could totally relate. Boy, I sure did not need to know that about you. <laughs> and that seems to be what Fraction does best. He takes an unbelievably bizarre situation and makes it completely relatable and human. And here, it totally works. Zadarsky's art sells the story perfectly. It's a cartoonish style that at times reminds me of Michael Avon Oming and other times Daniel Klaus when he was working on 8-Ball. But it also comes off as just perfectly realistic when it needs to there's two panels in particular that nailed me the first is of the main female character Susie, sitting in one of her high school classes thinking about masturbating and trying to fight the urge 
to do so when she goes home. And Zdarsky draws her from under the desk, looking up at her legs and crotch, <laughs> like focusing on that instead of showing her head like, you know, like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. The second is a splash page where she meets the main male character who is quoting her favorite book, Lolita by Nabokov. And in the upper right corner of the splash page where it's a party scene, there's a small black and blue panel of her feet just gently lifting off the ground like she's flying meeting this guy. And it was beautiful. As the scene continues, the two sit on a couch and introduce themselves and the party literally blows away into the background, much like what happens to Susie when she climaxes. I mean, it's almost as if they're alone in this room and the way Zdarsky draws it is like the walls fall out and the people slowly are erased and it's just these two having this conversation. As it would turn out, John, the guy quoting Lolita, has a similar talent and shortly after they discover they share the same powers, they go rob a bank. <laughs> the comic ends with a splash page that reads, for mature readers, duh, don't sell this to a kid. What are you, nuts? <laughs> But to tell the truth, there's really only one moment of nudity in this comic, and it's full male nudity. <laughs> this is nowhere near as heavy-handed as Sex by Joe Casey, which I also really enjoy, but for different reasons, but much more relatable and funny. I loved this, and there is not another comic book like it on the stands. Buy this. Interesting, fun, cool to look at. Buy it. Yes, I liked it. I'm really impressed by Chip Zdarsky. Yeah. Who I only know from like his web comics, uh, Prison Funnies. That's really the only place I've ever seen him too. He and, has done some other stuff. Right. But I was very impressed by what he brought to the table. And you're absolutely right about like the layouts of the book and how the narrative and the art kind of complemented each other like when the party faded away. Right. And where she like was floating on air, and the way Susie is telling the story as an adult and How sitting she's next present to herself in the scenes, yeah. as a child, and, and stuff. she's wearing like costumes appropriate to yeah, the, scene. the scene, like yeah. she's dressed as a nurse. And I thought that Fraction did a good job with Susie's narration. Um, I was kind of not concerned, but unsure how Fraction was going to be able to tell a story like this and and make us care. Okay. You know, and not just have it be a, like, oh, they're having sex and robbing banks. Right. Right? But he does a really great job telling Susie's story in such a way that she is a very complex and sympathetic character. Yes. And it's weird to say, because the book's called Sex Criminals. It's about people who have time-stopping powers, but right. only when they do it. So it doesn't seem like it would lend itself to that sort of depth. But that depth is there, and I was very impressed to yeah, find absolutely. it. Absolutely. And for those reasons, I am giving it a buy it. Like, I don't necessarily know if this is something I care about. Like, I, I was compelled by it, and I'm interested in it, and I appreciate how well it's done. I don't know if I'll follow it to its conclusion or whatever. But sure. I was very impressed by uh, and pleasantly surprised by how well done this issue was. And I think it absolutely merits your attention. I'm giving it a buy it as well. Sex Sex so be sure to hit us up with your autoerotic opinions over at the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button 
at TwoHeadedNerd.com. That reminded me of that of the scene in Sex Criminals in the bathroom with the girls while they were in middle school. Yeah. That I had me that was laughing out loud. Excellent. Yeah, like I, like she went to talk to this slut I about... Know, I don't want okay. to spoil okay. it, but okay. yeah, it was really funny. Mistakenly thinking that Ron Howard was directing the new Thor movie and mistakenly thinking that it was coming out this weekend and Thor was playing a Formula One race car driver as part of the plot. It, you know, I mean, it happens, right? The, the movie is actually called Rush and it does in fact star Chris Hemsworth. How was I supposed to know? Matt went ahead and invited Dick Dastardly and Muttley, the gruesome twosome and the Ant Hill mob to race us in the whiz wagon we borrowed from the Newsboy Legion as part of the Thor sequel opening festivities. So join us as we relive the wacky races while reviewing 10 of this week's comics during the ludicrous speed round. It's an honest mistake that anyone could have made. Ludicrous speed, go! The Other Dead, number one from IDW. Artist King Ping Mui, maybe, is a star here in what IDW billed as the first animal zombie comic. Sorry, but Image beat you to that punch with Rebel Blood by almost a year, and I'm pretty sure there's at least two more out there right now. Regardless, this comic features a black president who is undoubtedly Obama having to deal with an animal zombie outbreak. You think every black president is Obama? Well, this got seized at customs because of it, and there's an Obama variant cover. (laughs) (laughs) It's Obama having to deal with an animal zombie outbreak that might be brought on by a punk band trying to get famous using occult rituals to somebody evil. I didn't really know. Sure. Something I would have done long ago had I thought that would work for my band. Great art here, but not a great story. Skin it. Well, yeah, but did they get successful? I don't know. Probably not, right? They were successful in starting an animal zombie. And <laughs> that really depends on your definition of success. Powerpuff Girls, number one from IDW. Writer slash artist Troy Little brings Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup from TV to comics, and he totally nails it. I love this, too. Little perfectly captures what made the show so great with a hilarious script and wonderful art and delivers a truly fun read that's really legitimately for all ages. Buy it. Criminal Macabre, The Eyes of Frankenstein, number one. Pretty sure it's Macabre. From Dark Horse. I haven't read... Writer Steve Niles, Cal McDonald character for years, but he still reminds me of John Constantine if he carried a gun. The story was fun though, and even a little touching, as Cal encounters a Frankenstein that's going blind and just wants to read more. It was almost sweet. I'm giving this a buy it. A plus X, number 12 from Marvel. I am a sucker for a good superhero bromance. And I especially love the friendship between Wonder Man and the Beast. I love it, too. Writer Christos Gage uses Hank and Simon to call out some of the more ridiculous situations other writers have put them through in the past couple of years. (coughs) (laughs) This was really great. The second story featuring Captain America and Jubilee was perfectly fine. But for me, this issue is worth it for the lead story alone. Buy it. Infinity, the heist, number one from Marvel. I've talked plenty of smack about Frank Thierry, even going as far as to liken him to shamed writers like Chuck Austin and Rob Liefeld, but I have to admit, I like this. I love stories that humanize C-list villains, Yes. and this one totally delivered. A group of lesser villains decides to rob Tony Stark while he's off-planet. The story and dialogue are great. Buy it. 
Hey. I can't believe I'm saying it. All right. Action Comics 23.4. Parasite from DC. Artist Aaron Cooter becomes a double threat handling both the script and the art in this issue. Putting writers out of business. His art is amazing and his writing shows a lot of potential. We get a completely new version of the Parasite in this issue and he's pretty gross and scary. Once all the villain nonsense is over, I'd be interested in reading more of Cooter's writing. I was going to give this a skim it because it's not perfect. But the more I think about it, the more I think I enjoyed it. I'm upgrading it to a buy it. Punisher, Trial of the Punisher, number one from Marvel. I haven't even thought about writer Mark Guggenheim since Wolverine went after Nitro during the Marvel Civil War. Yeah. Here, he writes Frank Castle turning himself in for mysterious reasons, and even though there's almost no action other than one of the toughest Punisher moments I can remember in prison... The rest of the story takes place in a courtroom, and it totally worked. This was excellent. I loved it. Great art by Lanille Francis Yu. Fantastic story by Mark Guggenheim. Buy it. Batman, Superman, number 3.1, Doomsday from DC. Brett Booth joins Greg Pak on this issue, and my interest has suddenly tanked. You know what I'm going to say? I'm gonna, this might be controversial. I hate Doomsday, period. It's not that I'm a Brett Booth hater. Like, I'm interested in the Doomsday story. But this isn't nearly as compelling as the initial arc with Jay Lee. Uh, I'm sorry. Or Brett Booth's backlash for that matter. Yes. <laughs> Doomsday is completely reinvented here, and the death of Superman is retold, sort of, as a Kryptonian prophecy slash folktale. So even now that they've tried to address it, we don't really understand what happened. Ugh. Meh. It's not bad. It didn't really work for me. Skim it. Crotch number zero from Foshkaz. <laughs> Crotch is an acronym for celebrities reacting overly to criminal something or other. I can't remember. It was ridiculous. <laughs> this takes place in the 80s shortly after the U.S. government took over Hollywood after rooting out all the corruption in which point they decided they had to take over altogether and use washed-up stars in Black Ops in exchange for keeping them famous. It's a hell of a premise, and it was pretty funny, too. The art was not bad. You can find this on Comixology, and it's worth all 99 cents it costs. The guys from El Podcasto Magnifico? Okay. They sent this to me and brought it to my They're one of our rhymes with geek buddies. Yeah, and it was great. I really liked it. I'm saying buy it. The most expensive comic book in the whole world, Batman The Dark Knight, number 23.4, The Joker's Daughter from DC. I feel like just talking about it is worth five bucks. Well, I hope you're all happy. <laughs> Your rampant speculator mentality has done nothing but show DC that more of this utter garbage is what the fans want. Oh. And Nascenti's origin for The Joker's Daughter is simply this. Girl is born terminally weird, period. Becomes supervillain. Full stop. <laughs> well, That's it. It's a story that needed to be told. Plus, we get an introduction to a secret society of lunatics that live in an underground Gotham society and are led by a guy named Charon that wears a coat of pennies. Oh, and he sails around on a little boat. Get it? Just like Charon oh. on the river sticks. What a subtle metaphor, oh, and Nascenti. God. Man. High school English called. They want their textbooks back. He's also writing the Catwoman book with the two underground, like... Well, this is obviously spinning... This is really a Catwoman issue, okay. not a... Well, maybe he's part of that. I don't know, but God, that was terrible. 
It's it is it's terrible with King Doctor Phosphorus <laughs> or whatever. He King Doctor Phosphorus. Reading this ruined my day. Wow. Leave it. Wow. Certainly don't spend upwards of $15 on it if it's been microwaved. <laughs> yes, exactly. Snap! That is your ludicrous speed round, and snap is the sound of an alligator biting a duck that has been sacrificed to someone or something evil as seen in this week's issue of The Other Dead. General non-specific evil entity. Yeah, they're just like, we put blood in this skull, and then we drink this blood, and we are a famous punk rock band. Nope. We just created animal zombies. <laughs> like... Ugh, Joe and I have had a little trouble sleeping as of late, but luckily, the answer to all our problems showed up earlier this week in the form of an angry little white man in Texas that doesn't want people to have affordable health care. Well, poor people anyway. The little man I'm speaking of is, of course, Senator Ted Cruz and his operatic 21-hour filibuster that not only put the Senate to sleep, but gently rocked Joe Patrick and I to sleep like babies and into an REM state so deep we found ourselves floating out of the Sanctum Sanctorum to the land of dreams where our good friend Morpheus was waiting for us with all of next week's comics. Joe, what stands out in this comic cornucopia of our dreams? My pick for next Beautiful, week. right? Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> Thank you, Ted Cruz. Look what you did. Man, I've, I'm really rested. I know. My pick for next week is Hinterkind, number one from DC Vertigo, written by Ian Eddington with art by Francesco Trifogli. Wow. Yeah. Here's your solicit. Decades after the blight all but wiped out the human race, Mother Nature is taking back what's hers, and she's not alone. The Hinterkind have returned. From the last lost corners of the world they come, a myriad menagerie of myth and magic. But these aren't childhood fairy tale creatures. They are flesh, blood, and passion. And they have a long, simmering hatred for those who drove them into the shadows. The human race. After her grandfather disappears, Prosper Monday must leave the security and seclusion of their Central Park Village. I'm sorry. To venture into the wilds to find him. That's the worst character name I've ever heard. Unaware of how much the world has changed or how hungry it has become. I shouldn't talk. My cousin just named her baby Boston. So. <laughs> this sounds like a lot of fun, and it's again with the fantasy stuff yeah. that I swore that You're I like, hated. You know, I'm not into fantasy stuff, but it turns out I love this. <laughs> I don't know. This just sounds like fun. You know, humanity screwed it up so bad that now, really like, cool. the lost creatures of myth are coming back to take the and world back. Ian Eddington is a really talented guy. We haven't seen him in American comics for a while. He's been working across the pond on, like, the Judge Dredd stuff. And I'm always up for a new Vertigo number one. Right on. They've been killing it lately. So this has my attention. Matt, what has the Lord of Dreams shown to you? I'm going with Shadow. Now! Number one. I can't believe we're doing this outside of Marvel. This is from Dynamite. It's written by David Liss with art by Colton Worley. Here's your solicit. 
Having spent decades in the East to rejuvenate himself, the greatest pulp hero of them all, the Shadow, returns to New York in modern times. Lamont Cranston seeks to resume his old life, and his heroic alter ego is ready to stand once more as an enemy to evil. But while he was gone, his foes have remained vigilant, and the most dangerous man the Shadow has ever faced prepares to rise once more. It's the shocking beginning to a new era for the Shadow. Oh, my damn. I don't care too much about the Shadow, but I do like David Liss. He wrote The Spider most recently, a dynamite as well. Spider was good. I don't give two shits about The Spider, but that book was solid, man. David Liss is good. I'm going to read this. I think it's going to be fun. Good call. The THN trade of the week goes to Avengers Endless Wartime. This is an original graphic novel from Marvel Comics written by Warren Ellis. We just talked about it a few weeks ago with art by the amazing Mike McComb. That guy needs more work. Love him. He's been busy drawing an original graphic novel. Here's your solicit. The first in a series of all new original graphic novels. An abomination long thought buried has resurfaced in a war-torn land, but now it wears an American flag. Holy hell. Based with another nightmare reborn, Captain America will not stand for yet more death at the hands of a ghost from his past. Haunted by his greatest shame, Thor must renew the hunt for a familiar beast. At their side, an assemblage of allies united to end the threats no one of them could face alone. They are soldiers, warriors, comrades in arms, mighty heroes led by a living legend, stronger together than apart. They are the Avengers. I gotta see what happens. It's a good solicit. Of course, we want to know what you're looking forward to. Lay down, close your eyes, let the Sandman whisper into your ear and tell us about the comics of your dreams coming out next week over the THN forums. Before we move on, the two-headed nerd is looking for brave advertisers and sponsors who aren't afraid to have their good image ruined by our filthy masturbation humor. If you're interested in sponsoring this show, the answer of the week, or just advertising on our site, Produce an email, guys. One of you out there owns a company that has some cash. I just know you do. <laughs> you can hit us at twoheadednerd at gmail.com with the subject line, sponsorship. Back in the day when months had five weeks, we used to get comic book fifth week events, the likes of Tangent Comics, where we saw lame versions of heroes we knew, and Amalgam Comics, where we saw some cool amalgamations of heroes and some really lame ones. <laughs> well, here at THN, we have our very own little fifth week event where we host a top five countdown. It's almost time for the Halloween seasons. We decided to count down our top five favorite supernatural themed characters. Joe Patrick, start us out. Who or what is your number five? My number five is Zoriel from DC. <laughs> He's an angel from heaven, like literally. Yep. And he was created by Grant Morrison during his run on JLA. Some supernatural You don't get much more supernatural than that. Nope. And I just really liked the idea that while he was no longer interested in like being a guardian angel, uh, he was not like a bad dude. He wasn't like a rebellious. He wasn't like a fallen angel. He's just like... I'm just going to go kick it on Earth for a while. Maybe fall in love, join the JLA. No big deal. Wasn't this thing that he was already in love and that's why he left? He was in love with the woman he was in charge of protecting. Yeah. And so... They like, like they kind of gave him the boot for it. No, no. Right? He quit. 
Oh, did he? Yeah, he quit. Okay, he quit for her. Yeah, he quit for her. And then there was a mini series where she was like kind of freaked out about it. It's a whole thing. Anyway, I really like Zoriel. I was sad when they killed him. I'm always happy when he pops up. He's my number five. Plus, he's got badass armor. True. And he lives in a floating city above the skies of somewhere in California. And I think that's rad. I think that was written out of continuity. Well, of course, it's out of continuity now. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all gone. But, you know, that's what I like that about him. All right. Matt Bomb, who's your number five? My number five is the man thing. He was a former scientist who was transformed into a creature composed of vegetable matter. Stanley, Roy Thomas, Jerry Conway, and Gray Morrow, who I don't know, created the man thing. And my only thought is they were like, hey, that swamp thing's pretty cool. Let's do something similar to that. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I don't think that the man thing is a supernatural character. Okay, here's why he is. Because... He protects the nexus to all realities, but, and anything that knows fear burns at the touch of the man thing. But he was created by science. He's totally supernatural. We found out. <laughs> Hold on there. Here's also why he's awesome, because Ted Salas, native of Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Ted Salas and Brock Sampson from the Venture Brothers, uh, also from Omaha, Nebraska. Man thing number one. This was after his first appearance. Later explained magical forces instantly transformed him into a slow moving plant matter creature all right with solid red eyes unable to speak he was forced to be the protector of the nexus of all reality you win in the swamp magic i give it to you joe patrick number four my number four also dc a lot of mine are dc dr fate good one from the Justice Society of America. Good call. I love Dr. Fate. Yeah, I do too. I love Dr. Fate, all versions. I think I do too. Um, I really, really loved the version of Dr. Fate that Jeff Johns brought back during his JSA run. That was awesome. Who was Hector Hall. It's complicated. We don't need to get into it. No, 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 no. <laughs> this version of, the, of Dr. Fate was a past hero, a legacy character. But not from the legacy of Dr. Fate, which I thought was a neat twist. And I just really love the idea of like Naboo, the ancient mystical whatever, like living in the helmet and like controlling the dude or influencing whoever's wearing the helmet. Vast mystical powers. It's been around since Egypt times. I think Dr. Fate is rad and one of the best designs in comics. Right on. Matt, give me your number four. I'm going with the Wendigo. He came right out of the pages of the X-Men and he was terrifying. He was also in a whole bunch of Alpha Flight, and he scared the crap out of me there. The Wendigo is a human being that transforms into the creature, but only if he eats human flesh. Cannibal curse. In the northern woods of Canada. Yeah, cannibal curse. <laughs> because the gods of the north turn him into the Wendigo. It was just a ridiculous character, but as a kid, scared the hell out of me. Still love to this day. He's sort of like a Sasquatch with fangs and sharp claws scary Joe Patrick what is your number three my number three is the specter from DC good one the embodiment of the wrath of God yeah which, which is a really heavy concept hey I don't really know what that means yes <laughs> the specter is a character created in the 40s as just like cosmic justice dealer right meets out Ironic punishment to those that deserve it. Are you a drug addict? Well, here's mystical syringes filled with fire <laughs> that shoots up into your... Scary stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love the Spectre. 
And I think that all of this, like, Wrath of God stuff came later. It did. There was the really amazing Spectre ongoing series that ran through the 90s by John Ostrander and Tom Mandrake. One of the best that was solid really runs of comics, start to finish, the Spectre, check it out. I don't think anybody ever handled Spectre that well. Truthfully. I love that character. I love that character. I even loved him when Hal Jordan was the Spectre. I confess. Matt Bomb, you're number three. My number three. And you know what? I almost went with Ghost Rider here, but I didn't eh. because he got so weird and kind of watered down after a while. Instead, I went with Steve Scrooge's Doc Frankenstein. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome character. Science and magic and man playing God gave birth to Frankenstein years and years and years ago. We all know the story. Dr. Frankenstein sewed together a bunch of corpses. But Steve Scrooge's Doc Frankenstein is still around in the far future. And he's brilliant. And he's badass. And he was totally well drawn. And the stories were so good. We had never seen a Frankenstein like this. I completely loved it. Yo, Patrick, tell me your number two. My number two, Zatanna from Ooh, DC. I totally forgot her. You know what? I think her powers are really dumb. I'm just going to say it. I think Zatanna's powers are dumb. She says stuff backwards and it happens. That's dumb. How is it dumber than any other magician? Uh, because other I'm, than she's got a certain way she does it. If you want to tell me like, like this character, like Clea does magic. Okay. <laughs> Zatanna know? does magic. I know. I know. I just always, I don't know. It, it always rubbed me like the Scarlet Witch, like her hex magic. You know, like, well, what does that mean? What does it do? It means the same thing as Why when Doctor Strange does it. It's just a different kind of way Avengers of describing it. Ever lose a fight? <laughs> you know? Because she's cray. Anyway, Zatanna. Okay. Zatanna is a character that I sometimes forget that I enjoy, but whenever she's around, I really appreciate having her, and that's why she's my number two and not a little bit lower on the list. Okay. I just think that she adds a lot, and I love her mythology, like where she comes from and her crime-fighting dad who like wore a tuxedo and fought gangsters in the 40s. And I love the fact that she's a stage magician in her off time. Okay. I just think that her character is cool. And she's sexy. And she's sexy and she wears fishnets. Yeah, you got that. And I think the backwards talking thing is cool. I think it's silly. You're silly. What's what? your number two? Mine goes to another doctor, Doctor Strange. I adore Doctor Strange so much that I named a segment of this show after the place he goes to practice magic and relax. <laughs> I've got a beer stein with Dr. Strange's picture on it. I bought Dr. Strange. I can't remember the first issue I bought, but this would have been the old 70s Dr. Strange. I picked it up at a garage sale years and years and years ago and fell in love with the character. He is far and away my favorite magician. Dr. Strange is my number two. Joe Patrick. Dr. Strange is my number one. He's your number one. Yeah. All right. I don't really feel like there are any other things to add That's to that. That's a perfectly good number one. Yeah. The only reason I couldn't pick him for my number one is because Dr. Doom is my number one. Oh, Dr. Doom. Doctor... I don't really count Dr. Doom as a supernatural character. He totally is. Even he... though he does practice magic, he... I don't consider him a supernatural He melds character. science and sorcery. He treads where no human should tread. Reed Richards warned him about it it's, all the time. That's fair. He's I the just... ruler of a small country. He's... Far and away, my favorite villain. I love Dr. Doom. He's been to hell and back. He is terrifying. He's good when he wants to be good and it suits him. He's terrible when he needs to be terrible. He's so scary. And I love the way he talks in third person. 
constantly. <laughs> I do love that too. Yeah, no, I love Doctor Doom, and I think that's a perfectly valid pick. I just, for whatever reasons, I don't lump him in as a supernatural. Character. That's ridiculous. So where's your six? What? That is our top five supernatural themed characters. Now we want to hear yours. Go to the THN forums, click on the this week's episode, and there you'll find the perfect spot to tell us all about your top five favorite supernatural themed characters. Do it now. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for the alienating our Texan conservative Republican listening audience episode of THN. If you enjoy... We have a huge Texas contingent. (laughs) Well, we did. You're going to watch the downloads dip this week. If you enjoy two hippie crybabies giving away a podcast for free like idiots, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher where you can give us the show a star rating, a written review, or a Stitcher thumbs up and help us to connect with other potential listeners. <laughs> Recent donor Allison, who donated as we recorded this week's we were episode. Almost ready to be done. Thanks to all our past donors. And if you'd like to help keep us in Birkenstocks and treats for our Frisbee football team, uh, excuse me, it's called Disc Golf. You can make your donation in Time any amount. Disc golf and frisbee football are two very different things. You are not a hippie, sir. Wake me up when you start a fantasy frisbee football tournament. <laughs> fantasy frisbee football. <laughs> you can make your donation in any amount using our mystical little PayPal button at twoheadednerd.com. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed, which is at twoheadednerd, our email, twoheadednerd at gmail.com, our YouTube channel, THN Comicast, our Skype handle, Two-headed nerd, all one word. And our new direct phone number, 402-819-4894, where you can send slash call us with your Ask a Nerd questions or ask the comic pushers what you should be reading or ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, on Comixology, where I found the one that I reviewed this week. Crotch! Whatever! And don't forget to go sign up for the THN forums. This is your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show or just rap about comics. There's even badges you can earn for loyal cult members. So get in there and start posting spam over and over and over and over and over again. Don't do that. Don't do that, please. Remember to follow us on Twitter and like our Facebook page if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And if you want to hear our answers along with your own, be sure to check out the Two-Headed Nerd Answer of the Week podcast. Remember, it's a call-in show only, so you better call us. That's right. Or else the show's going to be super short. It's super short. But that might be what you want. Hey, you know what? I'm into that. <laughs> if you already subscribed to this show, you don't have to do anything. It just magically appears in your feed whenever we post it. You know what you could do? Tell a friend. Tell Stepping. 10 friends. Tell 10 friends. Tell 50 friends. Next week, we're stepping back into the comic studio and interviewing a real comic booking professional. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Ron Richards, founding member of our podcast nemesis, I, fanboy, and now the director of business development at Image Comics, who saved our bacon by providing last-minute review copies for this week's show. Word to you, Ron. I can't stay mad at you, baby. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. And for the record, we had nothing to do with the destruction of the iFanboy website. Stop saying this on the internets, you conspiracy theorist jerks. 
<laughs> this is a two-headed nerd, completely innocent in this matter. Or are we? Signing off. Look, look what you just did. I mean, <laughs> we are? <laughs> <laughs>